Today's Old Testament reading comes from Deuteronomy 32, verse 6, and can be found on page 210 in your pew Bibles. Is this the way you, pre- is this the way you repay the Lord, you foolish and unwise people? Is he not your father, your creator, who made you and formed you? This is the word of the Lord. Today's New Testament reading comes from two different passages. The first one is John chapter 20, verses 16 through 18. It can be, find, it can be found on page 1089 on your pew Bibles. Jesus said to her, Mary! She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord, and she told them that he had said these things to her. The second passage comes from Romans 8, 14 through 17, and it can be found on page 1135 in your pew Bibles. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Welcome to IPC today. Today, though, I want to welcome each one of you who are here. I also want to welcome those who are able to join us on Zoom. I know some of you are traveling, joining us on Zoom. Thank you. And those of you, for different reasons, need to do that. Of course, we'd love to see you in person whenever that is possible. Today, I want to continue, though, in our sermon series on... um, the doctrinal statement or the statement of faith. And last week we talked about God the Almighty, the Trinity. And today I want to speak about God the Father. As I mentioned last week, one of the reasons I do believe it's very essential in 2022 to once again revisit what we believe. Because what I have found is that the way we define things in 2022 and these years leading up to that has begun to move. It's a very flexible definition. And in our postmodern world where we say that every person has the right to define truth for themselves, what is true, in other words, for me, might not necessarily be true for you, but what is true for you might not necessarily be true for me. Therefore, we just simply say whatever we think is true is right. The struggle we have with that when it comes to God and our Christian faith is this. Is God has revealed Himself to us, but also in the Bible, God's revelation to us, God's book to us, God's way of introducing Himself to us, God has said there is one way to salvation. There is one way for eternal life. 
And it's not that every way and just being good and nice and sincere lead us into an eternity with God. And I don't mean to be harsh. I don't mean to be critical. But it would be really amiss of me if we did not say and did not explain to all of us what the Bible is teaching. And last week we talked about this idea of God Almighty and how that God is that great power that has created. God is that force and how within even um, creation one sees the great power and the divinity of God that not only took power to create this, but it is a power that is greater than humankind. And as the Bible says, because we can easily see that, we are without excuse. Now the Bible does not produce something and say, here are three reasons and proofs of God. Rather, the Bible simply declares God is and tells us who He is and explains how He has worked in the hearts and lives and souls of many people. Now, then last week we mentioned that how do we get to know Him? Remember we started with that verse where Jesus, as they are questioning Him and saying, Lord, tell us what is the most, the most important commandment or the most important thing for we who believe in God. And Jesus begins by quoting Deuteronomy chapter 4, beginning there in verse 6. It says, Oh, hear Israel, our God, our Lord is one. And then he goes on and says, And to love Him with all of our heart. To love Him with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And the second like it is to love our neighbor as ourself. And the question was, how, how, how do we love God? with all our mind, with all our strength, with all our soul. My. And the question and the answer to that, it seems to me, is that God Himself reveals Himself to us. Just as the Bible records one after the other where He's come to an individual, He's come to groups, and God has introduced Himself And he always introduces himself not as a thing, not as a commodity, but as a person. And um, today, just before I go into God as Father, I want to take just a few moments, because last week I enjoyed preaching so much I only got through the first half of the sermon. And I was so good I stopped. The Swiss have been so good to me. And I have learned. And anyway, but I want to just revisit for a few moments Trinity. Now, in a few moments, I cannot begin to do any justice to this amazing Christian point. Now, there is no verse in the Bible which uses the word Trinity. Trinity is a religious studying person's attempt to describe, oh, Israel, our God is one. And yet, as we have written, our God is three persons, not three gods. Excuse me. One God in three persons. Father, 
<coughs> excuse me, Son and Holy Spirit. <coughs> you say, well, that sounds complex, and it is. It is one of what we would call the Christian mystery, and yet the great truth that the Bible again and again reveals and expresses to us. One God, three persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and yet they are one. They are not three. Now, in the Bible, how is this then presented? And one term which a, a friend of mine uses, which is helpful to me, uh, David Gooding, as he described Trinity, the word he used it was the tri-unity. Three, but one. And I found that helpful for myself. But let me just say for a few moments what the Bible does declare about this. For example, the Bible will use this, but it will say Father, Son, Spirit are all doing the same thing. In the sense of, for example, in creation. Remember last week we talked about the very Bible begins with this concept. Where it says, God, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you go to the end of the Bible, in uh, Revelation chapter 4, there is this incredible chapter. I think the two chapters I love in the book of Revelation are chapters 4, which describes God on the throne. And then chapter 5, which describes Jesus, the Lamb of God. Beautiful, helpful, challenging. But in chapter 4, the Spirit invites John to come and he says, now look, and he looks and he gives him a view into heaven. And in heaven he sees the throne and on the throne is God Almighty. And you remember the account, there are four living creatures and they shout out, holy, holy, holy. And there are 24 elders on their thrones shouting out, holy, holy, holy. And that chapter concludes with verse 13 and what it says, listen. Worthy are you, O Lord our God, to receive glory and honor and power. Listen. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. God the Father creates. But then... Read with me. John. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. Listen. And the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God. And all things that were made are made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And then in verse 10, it concludes that again and says it the same thing with other words. He was in the world, and the world was made through Him. Wow. God the Father created it all. God the Son creates it all. One God, three persons. And if you continue your reading in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, there it describes, and then it says, God the it says there, God in the beginning created all. And then in verse 2 it says, and then God the Spirit. And it, uh, in Old English, it has a lovely word there. It talks in, I suppose, a better translation is what we would have today. 
it actually it hovers over or there as you read the text and the definition of that word from the original it means that it kind of calls to life and then as I was saying in old English they said and the spirit of God brooded you have to have an agricultural background to understand that one that's what a chicken does when it lays eggs I grew up on a farm and I remember my mother telling me these chickens, they have these lovely sounds like, bark, 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 you know, and then they go, da, 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 and you got an egg. But there comes a point in life where they go, cluck, cluck, cluck. And there's this instinct that has taken over them, and they lay a group of eggs, and they will come and sit quietly for three weeks, hardly eating anything, and out of those eggs comes life. And for no better word in the ancient Scripts in the old English, it says, and God, the spirit, brooded and life. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. One God, three persons. And not only that, but you know, he in creation... But then as you read through the Bible, there are these incredible moments when the Bible writes in a plurality or in the plural form when God refers to himself. It is in the creation of man in Genesis chapter uh, 2 there as it comes and it says to us very simply that that uh, let us make, excuse me, in chapter 1, verse 26, let us make man in our image. Us, our. And chapter 3 of Genesis, in verse 22, after the fall, it is said there is this incredible discussion with God. One God, three persons. Man has become like one of us, and knows the difference between good and evil. Therefore let us put him out. Lest he take of the tree of life and live forever. And that itself is a whole sermon of what it would mean to live forever without the opportunity of forgiveness. And it goes on in chapter 11 of Genesis where this sin and the smell, it says literally the reeking or the scent, the odor of sin had permeated so, hoke, so, excuse me, so high it had come to heaven. And God says, let us go down and see if it is really as we hear. And then in Isaiah chapter 6, how many of us have read that? Where it says, and who will go for us? The Bible itself uses this expression again and again. Or if you move to the New Testament, you see, and we'll talk about God the Son next week, how Jesus declares in John chapter 10, verse 30, as he's answering the people, he says, On the Phi and the Father are one. And they understand his claim because they pick up stones to kill him if they could. Because they understand he's declaring he, the Son, is God like God the Father. And we'll look at that a bit more next week. But also it just goes on. And there are others that things that come in John chapter 1 where it says there as we read. 
in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. One God, three persons. And then, of course, we come down to baptism. We had a lovely baptism just shortly ago. Have you ever thought, as Jesus says, in all power on, in heaven and on earth, think of that. Who had all power? That one seated on the throne. But here now you have God the Son saying, and all power has been given to me in heaven, on earth. Therefore, go, make disciples. And then he says these incredible words, baptizing them in the name. One name. One name. Not the names. Name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God, three persons. So the Bible doesn't go and explain this to us, doesn't give us all this, but it just declares it again and again. Now, are you okay? You're very quiet. You okay? Good. I just, my toe was starting to ache. I needed a break. But not only is it in this baptism, not only is it in Jesus, not only is this in this plural explanation, this us, this we, and our, and not only in creation that you see the three persons of God, of one God, acting, doing, together, and yet in our salvation, listen to what is said to us here. In our salvation, we find the same thing happening. Let me read to you from Colossians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. Giving thanks, listen, to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Isn't that amazing? God the Father, who has qualified you. How? By taking the sin and placing it upon the Son that the eternal court of heaven without pushing it under the rug that He could be love and He could be holy and He could be righteous. He has qualified you by, it says, and He removed you or He saved you from the dominion of darkness and He transferred you to the dominion of His, or the kingdom of His Son. Wow. God the Father. But then in Ephesians, it goes on and explains this in another way, with other words. It says, For this reason I bow my knee before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory, listen to this, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit, the Father, the Spirit, in your inner being, so that Christ, the Son, may dwell in your heart through faith. Wow. Father, Spirit, Son, all involved in our salvation. One God, three persons. Let me just read. Well, there's a note I wrote to myself. Don't forget 1 John chapter 1, verses 7 and 9. You remember what it says there as we studied 1 John together? It talks about if we walk in the light, as He is in the light. That's God who is light. 
we have fellowship one with another, and then listen, and the blood of His Son, Jesus Christ, cleanses us from all unrighteousness. The Father and the Son. And then it goes and says, and if we say we have no sin, we lie. But then he says, but if we confess our sin, in verse 9, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God, the Father, God, the Son, involved in our salvation. Let me look at one other verse here and then we'll move on. There in, at the end of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, listen how Paul puts it there. And the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Jesus the Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, all at work in us. And we don't have time to go through, and the Bible will tell us that all the Father is in the Son, and we are in you, and then the Spirit is in you, and the Spirit of Christ lives in you, and how that God's desire to live within us. Our God who's one, and yet three persons. These are a few of the things that the Bible tells us about Trinity. And it's a thing where I'm sure that this is only a beginning. And I like green tea. And I would be loved to have discussions for a longer period of time with anyone who is interested. But it's a very powerful, powerful idea. Isn't this an amazing idea? That God, who is one, and yet three persons, he is involved in our lives and in our salvation and in the way that we live. Now, on with that. Then let me just leave that for a moment. And we want to look then today really at the first person of that Trinity, God the Father. As we read then in Revelation chapter 4 verse 11, how that he has created, he has established, he has made it all. And then in Deuteronomy, the verse which was read to us describes him as being our father. Now, in the Bible, it will describe God as father in two very significant, similar, but eternally different positions. The first is going to describe him as God the Father, the Creator, God the Father of us all who are living human beings. And we will see that we have been created in the image of God. We think, we reason, we know how to love. God gave us the power to procreate. God has given us the understanding of conscience <clears throat> which tells us the the difference of right and wrong. God as creator. But there's another stage which we will look at in a moment where one either knows God as Father the Creator or one knows Him as Father who has adopted me as His child. Father the Creator. Father who has adopted me as His child. This is an eternal difference. This relationship means an eternity with God. This relationship means one might miss that eternity. Let's look at that. In Isaiah, let me just look back in Isaiah. 
in those verses in chapter 64. I want to read to you first this verse. But now, O Lord, then that is Lord in capitals, meaning Jehovah, this personal God who makes covenant and promise with us, to us. You are the Father. We are the clay. You are the potter, and we are the work of your hands. God, our Father by creation. But if we move back one chapter in the book of Isaiah, chapter 63, verse 16, there, now listen to this one carefully, because the author, as he's been inspired by God's Spirit, there is a shift in this. Listen to what it says. You are the, our Father, though Abraham does not know us, and Israel does not acknowledge us. So all of a sudden, this God of creation, who had chosen for himself a people through Abraham and developed that nation, which was supposed to be the nation of God, he says, but look, he says, they do not, you are a father, but they do not acknowledge us, they do not know us, but you, Lord, Jehovah, are our father. Then listen to what he adds, our redeemer from old is your name. And all of a sudden in the Old Testament, it moves from a God who's a father because he has created you in his image. And he has worked in his providence in this world to now a God who's a father, who's a redeemer. How are we redeemed? Through adoption into his family. The New Testament, of course, takes this up. The verses that were read to us from John chapter 20. You see, this is a crucial moment of our humanity and the history of humanity in relationship to God. It's after the death when all of the transfer of our sin was placed on Jesus and he died on the cross. He shouted out, it is finished or the bill has been paid. Oh, there's a lovely translation of that in Viennese German, which is kind of cool. Die Rechnung ist schon bezahlt. The bill has been paid. What bill? My bill, your bill, by Jesus' death. And then to prove to all of eternity, the spirit in an unphysical world, that God had accepted that sacrifice. And the third day, he rises from the dead. And at that moment in history, see what he says. He says there, do not cling to me, as he speaks to Mary. I have not yet ascended to the Father, the Creator, but go and tell my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and to your father. He all of a sudden moves the goalposts. It is no longer only God of creation who is father of us all. Now, because of his death and his resurrection, there is an opportunity that he becomes my, our father. Neither one can know him as father God of creation. Or Father God who has adopted us into his family. And so he reads there. We read the verses in, in chapter 8 there of, of Romans. For all who are led by the Spirit of God, sons of God, you did not receive a spirit of slavery but of adoption. And, and he brought us in that way. And we cry out, you see, 
when we realize that, that God now is our Father in that way. He has forgiven, He has cleansed, He has brought us back. And to confirm that, He puts His Spirit in us. And as we realize His Spirit is in us, our spirit cries out, Abba, Father. And as we were studying chapter 8 a few weeks ago, this chapter, remember I read to you almost identical verses out of the book of Galatians, where there he describes it this way, doesn't he? He says, but God sent forth his Son, God the Father, God the Son, born of a woman under the law, to redeem those under the law, that they might be adopted as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of the Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. And as I was studying for that, when we preached on that, it so struck me. There is this moment where our spirit inside of us recognizes God is our Father because He's adopted us. And our spirit cries out to Him, acknowledging Him as Father. And there's this moment when God the Spirit comes into us and He cries out in ownership and declaring that the adoption is valid for all of eternity. Abba, Father. Wow. So we come back to the question we asked at the beginning of the series. How do we love God? With our whole heart? With our whole soul? With our whole mind? And with our whole strength? And that it says as God reveals himself to us, we respond. Here we find God has also revealed himself as Father. The very fact that he's using this name to introduce himself as Father means he's using for us the relationship that we find within family. Now, of course, sometimes we as humans struggle with that. Depending what our own personal relationship with our own individual Father may have been. But if we for a moment realizing those thoughts can be true from many different divisions and places, But think for a moment about this perfect father. How do we understand him as father? To me, you know, it's one of the greatest explanations of that I think I find in the Bible is the parable Jesus told to explain what it meant to be lost and found. We call it the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. I told you my own personal experience with this parable as I was preaching on it one night in Poland. And just before I went to sleep that night, a thought crossed my mind. And it said, Dennis, you missed the main point. That woke me up. And the main point that came to my mind was now you have a parable where God the Son is describing God the Father in a real life setting. If we want to know how to love God, let's look for a moment of how this father loved his son. You see, he loved him enough, you remember the account, to allow him to go and spend foolishly his whole inheritance. We would put it in a spiritual realm, created an image of God. Wasting it. Oh, how much does he love us to let us play with our will? But this, not only that, if you follow it so closely, it hits me very deeply. It says that then when the son came to himself, 
And it says, as he was headed back, say, I need to go and repent to my father. Say, I've sinned against you and against heaven. And he comes and it says, this is to me is so descriptive of this God father. He says, while he was a long ways off. In other words, he was looking. He was waiting. And then this word it uses to me is so graphic about the heart of God. He said, and then because of his compassion. Oh. I love him. It says, then he ran. Can you imagine that? This father running. And the son, and there's this embrace, and the son repents as, oh, father. And the father doesn't say the word, you are forgiven, but what he does is he demonstrates the forgiveness. He says, take the dirt off and put new clothes. And then there's this little moment where all of a sudden he says, and now put a ring on his finger. And I don't know 100%, but I do know there's a lot of moments in history when you were adopted. What proved it was the Father's ring. Like he says in the book of Ephesus, Ephesians, excuse me, written to Ephesus. The seal, the guarantee it is true is God's spirit, which is a promise or a good translation, an engagement ring, that the promise will be true. Why do I say all those things to you today? Well, I say these things very simply this. Do you know God as God the Father? Do you know him as God the Father only as creator? Or do you know him as God the Father who has adopted you into his family? That's the God, the Father, we worship. And that is an eternal difference. Not for him, but for you. It is also for him, because as Jesus told these parables, in chapter 15, there are three. The first is about a hundred sheep who a man loses one and he goes and finds, remember he leaves the 99, finds the lost. And then in a concluding chorus it says, and all heaven rejoices at one who is found. And then the second parable is the ten coins. The woman loses one, cleans her house, gets a candle, finds one. And the chorus is, and the angels of heaven rejoice over one who repents. But in this last one, it is the father himself who turns to the other son. and says, oh, now let us rejoice because he was lost. He's found. He was dead. He's alive. How do you give the Father joy? We come to him as his son and daughter and allow that eternal work of being adopted into his family because God is God the Father. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning. It's a mystery, but it's amazing. That in all the ways that you could reveal yourself to us as light and as power and many things which we cannot even yet conceive. This immensity that you come to us and describe yourself, you identify yourself, you introduce yourself as God the Father. And as the Lord Jesus cries out, it's not only His Father, which we can acknowledge and understand, but it's our Father. 
Oh Lord, we come and we worship you. And thank you that you love us so much to make us your children and to become our father. And I pray for anyone who's seated here today among us, Lord, that might only know God as God the Father, the Creator, but have never yet come to that point where they know you as God the Father who has adopted them into your eternal family. Lord, may each one of us, wherever we are in our lives, renew, refresh, and be built in that truth. We thank you, we worship you. In Jesus' name.